Health Matters is brought to you by Health Promotion Board. Visit go.gov.sg forward slash spot the warning signs now for more information. Now, Health Matters with Daniel Martin. I'm continuing my series on Health Matters, looking at the early warning signs that parents, teachers, friends can look out for amongst our young ones, amongst our teens, that we can offer support for, learn how to broach the subject with them. I know it can be a very sensitive and fearful concern, especially if there's worries of teen suicide being part of it. But just like any health issue I've ever talked about on my show, it is all about understanding the condition, not sticking our head in the sand and pretending it doesn't exist, being aware, being mindful, and knowing those early, early signs. Helping me on today's edition, Naomi To joins me, a counsellor, client care, at the Samaritans of Singapore. Naomi, welcome to the show. Hi there. Hello, hi, and good afternoon to those who are tuning in. Set the scene for my listeners and I. This is a health issue, which a lot of people, maybe they're wondering, it's like, okay, why are we talking about this on health matters? Is this a major health matter right now? What is the current situation when it comes to suicide as an issue among teens in Singapore. What would you say to that? Well, it is quite concerning because suicide is the leading cause of death among youths aged 10 to 29. And this has been a trend for the past uh, three years. And specifically for youths as young as 10 to 19 years old, uh, suicide figures have risen by 23.3% from 30 deaths in 2020 to 37 cases in 2021. So a Singapore mental health study that was released in 2019 also estimated that about 18% of our youths actually suffer from depression. So it's quite concerning in Singapore. Last time round on Health Matters, we learned about many of the early signs that can be looked out for. Just like any health issue, this is important for us to understand and be aware. So I'm curious, based on your experience with SOS, let's say, what are some of the key reasons or issues that may cause or have led to or contributed to a teen wanting to contemplate something like suicide? Yeah, so during this age group, there are many developmental changes where the youth is grappling with societal and academic academic pressures. They are trying to form identities and they are learning to navigate relationship challenges. So we see that adolescence is a vulnerable time where they are developing their sense of self who they are and who they can be. And this is usually through the lens of others. There is this sense of comparison with peers, expectations by parents or the external environment. And the consequences of not doing well, especially in school, often seems to be amplified. And the use of technology through social media may unfortunately compound issues in a youth who is already feeling anxious or depressed as they see that others are doing well. So suicidal thoughts usually come in when the stresses overwhelm the youth's capacity to cope. There is usually a sense of uh, helplessness where they may not be able to confide in the people around them. They may also have a perceived sense of being a burden to others. Mm. And some of them may feel unloved, unaccepted or unworthy. So um, due to different losses in their own lives or have gone through traumatic experiences growing up, um, we also know of some youths who lose their friends to suicide and they are impacted by it. Mm. Um, overall, it's just a very, suicide is really multifaceted and complex, but there are definitely ways we can support the youths. Yes, and we'll be delving into how we can support our youths as well. And let's not forget, folks, when you were 
a teen, how different it was from from now being an adult. I mean, now if you're dealing with a health issue, you've got your medicine, you've got your health insurance, off you mm. go to the doctor, you know who to go and talk to, you know where to get advice from. As a young person, you don't have those resources, you don't have disposable income, you don't know about the idea or the benefit of seeking medical help. You would feel weird as a teenager sitting in the clinical office of a mental health expert, for example. So it's, it's also this sense of isolation of not knowing where to go and how to go about seeking help as well. Speaking of, in this last couple of years, I have absolutely seen a beefing up, and I have beefed up a lot of my discussions on health matters surrounding mental health. And that's because everything you just described, the importance of understanding the growing up process, the teen years, finding out who you are, sense of identity, that's always existed. But something that hasn't existed is the last few years, the COVID experience as well. Any trends or patterns we've seen because of this and how it could maybe inform how we look at our children's well-being? Right. So over the COVID period, we did see a rise in suicide for those aged 10 to 19. Um, and it is not surprising that COVID has kind of aggravated existing stresses. Uh, there were disruptions of normal routines, uh, just a heightened sense of uncertainty about the future for students and increased fear about you know, personal well-being and increased interpersonal conflicts at home due to restricted movement. Um, but I think most importantly, we find that the youths, uh, there is this reduced sense of social connectedness because um, when when they had troubles, they used to be able to just uh, hang out with their peers. But, but, you know, with COVID, they were having this social distancing. So people were connecting lesser emotionally. Mm. Um, yeah, but that being said, I guess we, we, we do know of families who grew to be more bonded due to the increased contact time. So it, it does boil down to intentionality to connect, uh, especially between parents and children. Intentionality to connect. So interesting. That's a great phrase, turn of phrase as well. So in order to help facilitate that intentionality to connect, can you maybe walk us through some of the common signs displayed by a teen who may be suicidal? Right. So I think we all know that physical time with children is limited as dual income families are very common. So to look out for uh, children's well-being, I, I really strongly encourage parents to be emotionally present when you're around your children. Uh, and what that looks like might be to just put aside your phones when you engage with them. And children need a sense of secure attachment and they look for authenticity and connection. So some of the common signs that are displayed, uh, usually there are three areas that we look out for. One are the thoughts, the thinking patterns. Second is the behaviours and mood. So firstly, when your teens uh, share certain thoughts like the world is better off without me, I'm a burden uh, on my family and the people around me. My life is meaningless. Nobody, nobody loves me. I just want to disappear. So that's the first sign of, uh, you know, understanding what they share in terms of thoughts. Or they could present with behaviors such as previous attempts, self-harm, kind of skipping school or certain activities, cutting ties with social network giving away uh, certain things that they love, uh, treasured possessions and saying goodbye. And we do encounter teens who post on their social media about how they feel and their friends refer them to us for support. Um, and lastly, it's about monitoring their mood, right? Um, whether they are, they seem to be displaying emotional outbursts, feeling angry, sad, irritable, or having just lost interest in things we usually enjoy or feeling anxious. So those are the signs that uh, parents should look out for. Naomi, let's talk a little bit about what happens next. Let's say 
a parent has noticed all the warning signs that you just walked my listeners through. And let's say they have tried to broach the subject, it's, it's challenging, it's emotional, but then that, that, that referral happens to some place like SOS and maybe they, they tell their teen, okay, why don't you talk with somebody who's listening on the other end? How could an SOS experience help support the teens or the parents of teens who are suicidal? What happens? So when someone were to call our 24-hour hotline or text our care tech service, they will be attended to by our staff and volunteers on duty. Um, basic demographic in information will be collected and the data is kept confidential as per PDPA regulations. So, so the first step usually will be that the staff will engage and build rapport with the team. Uh, there will always be the step of assessing whether there are uh, there is any suicide risk uh, present. Uh, and for cases where the teen is open and willing for counselling, they will then be referred to my team, where our counsellors will follow up with them to provide emotional support. So if you're a parent concerned for your teen, you could also reach out to us in the same way and we'll walk you through the steps. Uh, and if our service is not the service that is best suited for, for you, we will refer you to other services possible. It's been around for a very long time, the support of something like SOS. Is there something about that an anonymous experience that's important for a teen who's going through this, let's say? Yeah, it is very important. So our care tech service uh, is assessed by a lot of youth. I think when we started it in 2021, we were not expecting the demand to be this high. But I think the anonymous uh, nature of it, uh, they could come in and they could give a prefer, preferred name, and uh, and and I think the the burden of not having to disclose to their family members or people that they know actually relieves them from that burden. And um, when they talk to us, they could have that choice, right, that autonomy to decide whether or not they want to come in for counselling. And that is quite important for youth, yeah. And I think going to my earlier point about when you're a youth, you don't have Medisave, you don't have work insurance, you don't know where to go to to lead on. This is literally just one phone call away. Yeah, yeah, and our services are not chargeable. So I think that also uh, financial concerns are on the teen's mind, right? Yeah, and they don't want their parents to find out. Uh, and sometimes in schools, uh, to approach the school counsellor, sometimes it could also, that could be a stigma to that too. Is it just about one conversation or could it be multiple ones? It could be multiple. Uh, we do have clients uh, who actually do kind of use the services while using our counselling service in between the sessions to help to keep themselves safe. And when they do need someone to just sit through the distress during the night hours, they will actually assess the services. And each different conversation you're having, is it with the same counsellor? Is it with different counsellors each time? Because, you know, what's it, what's a, if you were to see a mental health professional, there would be some stability with regard to that, for example. What's it like if you're calling a hotline? Mm. So when they call in a hotline, they might be attended to by different people. Uh, but uh, one thing that we usually re reassure our clients is that when they call in, all our staff and volunteers are actually trained. And we have a large pool of volunteers that go through um, rigorous training and supervision to be able to attend to the clients well. 
Let's pick up on that, Naomi. I'm, I'm very fascinated by this idea of, like you said, the, the training that is happening for all the counsellors and how they are speaking to so many of our youths as well on a regular basis via the hotlines. Let's talk about what that call process is actually like because it's a very awkward scenario. Maybe the teen might not feel so comfortable bringing up certain things or, or, or being open and I'm worried there might be awkward silences and things like that just to reassure anybody listening in what is that call or chat process like what can you tell us right so our staff and volunteers are trained with active listening skills to offer empathy and to assess this at risk and to find out how the team is connected to professional support um, how long the symptoms have been lasting, the resources that the team may have access to, and we will then share about you know the long-term uh, support in terms of counselling support that they can refer uh, uh, you know the team to. So that will be my team of counsellors. So um, the staff and volunteers from the hotline side uh, will do the assessment and will create a safe environment for the team to be able to share. Um, and we notice that teams uh, normally. Um, the majority of them tend to text in. They, they feel mm. a bit more comfortable with that. And, and what we do as well is that for the care tech service, we actually recruit more youth volunteers who might be a bit more kind of savvy with the youth lingo to be able to build that rapport and mm. offer the empathy needed. Yeah, mm. that's very important, right? I have to speak the same language in a way. And what happens when, when somebody gets referred over to your team, the counsellors? How is that experience different? Yeah, it's, it's quite different because like what you say, uh, we will assign one case worker that will journey with them uh, through the different sessions and uh, through counselling, what we offer them will be uh, really learning uh, and diving deep into coping resources and understanding the narrative behind their suicide history, right? Um, uh, when did they first had suicidal thoughts? And we explore with them the reasons for living and also reasons for dying. And we are not afraid to kind of uh, talk about this topic, which I think the teen uh, is afraid of uh, judgment from other people when they actually bring up the topic. Yeah, exactly. And having that person on the other end being able to explain that. I think can be very reassuring as well. Going to that point of confidentiality, because maybe a lot of parents listening in want to know more about that. You know, we, we live in a day of call ID. And if you're texting across, you've got my phone number and, and you know, that kind of thing. I mean, w remind us about the importance of confidentiality here and what happens. Mm. So um, I mentioned about uh, basic demographic information that's collected. We do take down notes in order uh, for us to follow the conversation and the data is kept confidential. Um, and unless the caller wants uh, and has agreed, uh, given consent for us to follow up, um, to call back um, through our counselling team, we don't, uh, you know, kind of uh, assess the data to actually give, uh, follow up with the client. Good to know that indeed. Naomi, your final words in terms of how parents listening in can better support the emotional needs of their teens who may be suicidal. So I think as parents, it is understandable that we would always want the best for our child and it could be quite 
uh, worrying and even upsetting if our child tells us they have suicidal thoughts. Um, but uh, we need to remember that we are in a position to intervene and provide the necessary emotional support. So one fear that parents often tell me would be they don't know how to talk about the topic as they are afraid that talking about suicide could then increase their risk. Uh, just to reassure everyone that research has shown that talking about suicide doesn't increase one's risk of suicide. And most of our clients feel really relieved that we don't shy away from talking about it openly. So for parents, it may be taking that step to ask a child. Um, sometimes we all get overwhelmed when things are too much. Are you feeling this way? How can I support you? Um, and in our problem-solving culture, sometimes we jump to offering advice and solutions. Sometimes our child just wants us to know that we are present and we'll be here to journey with them. We will have to deal with our own emotions of frustration and helplessness because the recovery journey can be slow and it can be prolonged at times. And many times, uh, individuals who are suicidal want to end their pain, but not really their life. So if we want to kind of bring them through the painful circumstances they are going through, we need to really be able to journey with them, bring them to the clinic to get a referral to a psychiatrist for assessment and support them through uh, getting the right psychological treatment or counselling that is needed. I think... You're quite right indeed. Naomi, thank you so much for the great advice. And remember, any mention of suicide, take it seriously. And remember that help is available. You can reach out to Samaritans of Singapore at 1767, their 24-hour hotline, or WhatsApp 9151-1767. That's the 24-hour care text that you heard Naomi mention. And if your teen is in immediate danger, call 995 or 999. I'm Daniel Martin, and today I've been speaking to Naomi To, Counselor of Client Care for Samaritans of Singapore. Health Matters is brought to you by Health Promotion Board. Visit go.gov.sg forward slash spot the warning signs now for more information. Before making any decisions based on the information in our program, please consult a medical professional.